Hey everyone, thanks for listening to The Purge. In this episode, I sit down with Antonio Lexro and discuss F is for Family. Just a quick warning on this one. We do cover most of the major plot points of the show, so there's plenty of spoilers. If you're concerned about that, go watch the show first. It's only six half-hour episodes. You can get through it pretty quick. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Henderson, and this is The Purge. Yeah, this is the song that was number one in the U.S. the day I was born. The day you were born, it was this one. It's embarrassing. Although, that's it, actually kind of fitting because, you know, I'm basically a nudist anyway. Yeah. I've spent, spent plenty of time publicly naked, so. It's that podcast where we watch an insane amount of television in a very short period of time and then tell you what we think. We've binged. Now it's time to purge. Welcome, everybody, to The Purge. I'm Chris. My guest today is Antonio Lexero. How's it going? Bonjour. Yeah, it's It's going well. It's a rainy, rainy afternoon. It's an awesome day. It's my favorite days. Rainy like this? Mm Mm-hmm. Overcast, a little bit rainy. Just not cold, but cool. Gosh, I love it. It's nice. So, the show we're talking about today. uh, We've now crossed over from the shows that I hate, which were those first, (laughs) uh, whatever, four or five, however many we've done. Those were the shows I hate. Now we're in the shows that I'm just kind of meh about for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I know. You love this show, and it's fine. Um, today we're talking about F is for Family. So we've got a, a couple of these adult animated series on, uh, yeah. on like, Netflix. And by that you mean for adults, not adult in nature. Yes, not adult content. Just I mean in mature audiences. Yes, the, yeah. the target demographic and... is adults, yeah. What, what? Although there there is a scene with swinging balls. There is. In <laughs> And it's pretty disturbing. <laughs> As is faced on the child. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, really quickly, the Rotten Tomatoes one-sentence review says, While the humor relies on vulgarity, the strength of F is for family is its substantial heart. I can agree with that, mm-hmm. even though, like, the heart comment, yeah, it, it definitely goes for it, at least. Um, I find this show hard to relate to. Well, like they say, it it is for adults, which means, like, people born before 1980 that's what i was going to ask who is the show for yeah it's for people whose parents are in that the war even like this is he's what korean war vet i have a father who was a vietnam war vet Mm -hmm. and my first stepfather was a korean war vet Mm -hmm. and my second stepfather was another vietnam vet how many stepfathers do you have my third stepfather (laughs) was uh, a homeless bus driver so he so, didn't serve that, to my knowledge. So, a biological father and three stepfathers. Yes. Any stepmothers? Uh, yes, one. One stepmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And then uh, just a live-in life companion for since for my father. Ah, uh, I see. So he was divorced twice. Yes. And is your mother still with the third stepfather? Yes. Okay. For, but there's time. There's time for a fourth. <laughs> there's time to have a fourth step. Yeah. Great. Um, but but the point is, um, there's the attitude of the people of that time is very different than everybody since. Because we haven't had, well, the world is just different. Yeah. And the situations and the 
the, the problems and the promises that were made and not kept, especially for vets. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, if you lived there, and you experience that even vicariously, you just kind of like, oh, okay, I know, I know that family. They're just scratching. They've got that whatever VA pensions or whatever, and they're just nothing. And they're trying to uh, just pull something together. And they went, you know, and fought in a war rather than getting college education and stuff like that. And so they're just doing generally these very manual jobs, which is different. Like my father, he never did anything. You know, it was always just kind of like that next big thing. So like, we're going to get that thing. But meanwhile, we were poor as hell. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my stepfather, he, after the Korean War, he uh, got an engineering degree and got his stuff. And and then, you know, he built something for himself, but he had that extra time. It was still this kind of go, go, go. And it's just the different mentalities. But having three service father figures mm-hmm. with three totally different perspectives. I mean, it's a pretty broad range, but it's very different than somebody who hasn't had that. Yeah. And somebody who's, uh, if, if your parents had a good relationship, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no divorces, yeah. uh, like talk it out, that sort of stuff, you won't be able to relate to this show. Yeah. Because it's the tension, the marital tension, like we love each other, but we're just barely hanging on. And mm-hmm. that, that's a big part of it. And the kids that, like, we know our parents love each other, but they're barely hanging on. The kids, in, especially in the show, they're very aware of the need that they do all have to pull together. But they're all trying to find their own identity, and, and it's lost in the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I think that's the main thing of the show is the father. Uh, it's interesting. I'm not really sure which one is Bill in the... Uh, of the kids, which one represents Bill? The younger boy the is younger named boy. Bill. Oh, okay, then that's him. <laughs> the the normal kid. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So he's the kid the, who gets the, beat up a lot and like the he, mostly normal kid. Yeah, the the one they call him a pussy all the time. Yeah. So that that actually makes a hell of a lot of sense <laughs> like going to a stand up and whatnot cuz he mm-hmm. yeah. Plus in the show, it's it's funny, you know, as a creator of the show, mm-hmm. You paint yourself as kind of the baseline, and then the bitchy little sister, the little <laughs> shit sister, and then the asshole older brother. That's you know, but he's still older brother. Mm-hmm. And then you know the eyes and the trauma. So the balls, you know, him seeing the balls. That's yeah, that makes perfect sense. That he's yeah. Bill. <laughs> I, I I have a bad memory, so I don't remember all the names and everything. But but yeah, that makes total sense. That that's the viewpoint of mm-hmm. the show. But I think he's being very kind to his father. Yeah. In that show. Like, yes, he struggles like hell, but he, there's a lot of heart in there. Yeah. I See, I, I have a hard time relating to this for a couple of reasons. I didn't grow up in a home where people are screaming at each other. Uh, <laughs> I like, will put you through the fucking wall. Yeah, that didn't happen in my house. <laughs> I was put um, through a wall a couple of times. That's, see, so, you know, it's yeah. different. So you get it. <laughs> you point. <laughs> I'm also just, I think, just too young. I think the show is for... It's for a pretty narrow demographic, honestly. Kinda. It's really like people born in the 70s and the late 60s who grew up in a house like this and now have kids of their own. And so they can relate to the father a little bit more. And I think that that's a pretty narrow window that you're well, focusing I, I, on. I think that and older. I think people you older. Think older too? Yeah. The people who are the father, mm-hmm. born in the 50s and 60s, I think they can relate to that too. Well, even 40s. Like my... my uh, Stepfather, he was born in 42, so mm-hmm. so that's got to be about the same age, because this is set in, what, post-Vietnam? 
Um, or, no, it's during Vietnam. Is it? It's during Vietnam because yeah. he said it's he was going to take the son down and recruit him. Oh, right. Yeah, I can't relate. My, my dad missed Vietnam. He was a little bit too young for mm-hmm. Vietnam, so he didn't have to worry about that. He never served in the military. There's definitely – it's a definitely a different world for these people who everyone went to war and, mm-hmm. like you said, didn't get that college education. And there's these themes throughout the show constantly where you see this, this idea of, no, you just need to work hard. You don't get to like your job. That's not even like on their radar that yep. I might have a job that I enjoy. You do whatever job you have and you work hard and you make money and you go home and you watch TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's the life these people live. And they just accept it. Yeah. And that's a depressing real <laughs> thing mm-hmm. um, for that era. It was not the sky's the limit. This is like you're fucked and this is what you get. Mm-hmm. So be happy because there might not be anything else. That's why I'm really intrigued with what's going to happen with uh, season two, because uh, something's got to happen. <laughs> Spoilers are okay. Yeah. Everyone is warned on this show that we spoil everything. So, yeah, he lost his job at the he, end of the season. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. He lost his job on Christmas Eve, and, and it was uh, that was the most friendly episode to the father, because it showed that, one, he a, a, has balls. He's a guy, mm-hmm. and he can take care of himself. And all he wants to do is take care of his family and his extended family, being even the the Mohican Airlines and the baggage handlers and everybody. And he's not stuck in this trying to be everybody's friend. I mean, he is there for a little while. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you see that grown-up in him coming out and saying, "Okay, okay, look, let's just cut the shit and just do the thing. Let's make the deal. We were going to do it. You were going to do it before, but you were completely unreasonable because your wife's a bitch. So let's just have calm heads. And the boss is enough of an asshole that says, okay, you know, I respect that. But you're fired because fuck you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to talk to me like that, you ass. Yeah. But ultimately, he did the right thing. Uh, he did the hard thing. And man, I feel for the guy. You know, at the end, it's just like, shit, what do, what do, what do you got to do with your life? And I've been there. I've been like that shit. What, what's next? Yeah. It's terrifying. I didn't have three kids sure. at the time. But, but I've, been in, I've been the kid in that situation too. Well, like my stepfather, he went through a, a bankruptcy. And um, it was basically, oh, my thriving business is now gone. Shit. What's next? Like I think especially with millennials, which I'm not. I'm in this. Th- there's Gen X, which is you. Yeah. Then there's millennials, and I'm in. There's this six year window in between of people born. Do they call from, them Ys or something? I don't know. Generation they Y, they call them, but like, like you can search on the internet. It's so basically ambiguous. a six year. If you were born between seventy seven and eighty three, they don't know how to classify you. You don't work. You don't fit anywhere else. We're in this weird thing. We're not part of a generation. Millennials believe that they should be paid to do what they love. That's what they believe. Yep. Yep. And that's I think that's what they're really talking about when they talk about entitlements. It's not that, like, millennials think I deserve a house and a nice car. They think I deserve a job. Uh, I deserve to get paid for what I like. Right. And we've been told that. I was told that when I was growing up. I was not. The idea, like, for me personally, you're like, oh, you know what? You buy into that. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to pursue what I love. You have to do it sometime in your life. And I knew I was going to take a pay cut. It was like an 85% pay cut. <laughs> yeah <laughs> not quite that much but pretty bad it's it's scrounging at that point like i want to do this thing and you're like shit i'm not really prepared for that i'm i was not there was no training to set you up yeah 
And I, I really want to dig into this. Several years ago, you took an 85% pay cut. You knew it was necessary because you had to quit your job to do what you enjoy. It was killing me. And you wanted to be a filmmaker. Yep. That's what you're doing now. Yep. Uh, how's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, pluses and minuses. Sure. The minus is I'm broke as hell mm-hmm. all the time. Sure. All the time. But I'm not alone. And that's not that comforting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the uh, but I have produced really good work. That's stuff I'm really proud of. And been able to do a lot of projects that I would not have been able to do before. Um, when right. I was just putting in a few hours a week at it. Which is what I was doing before. I mean, but the job I had before was very physical. I mean, you come home beat. And all you want to do is sit down and turn off. And maybe watch some content. Sure. Not... Try to start writing it, you know. It's physically draining. Now, when you're working on a big project, you can be, like, creatively drained. But the physically, you're still there, and you can have seven irons in the fire, and they actually stay hot. But before, it's just like, I've got three years invested in this short film. Yay, and I make it. And, oh, I picked the wrong DP. It looks like garbage. (laughs) But maybe people will really be able to pull the story out of it. No. They didn't watch it because it looks like shit. So after I quit, the amount of time you can dedicate to these and the uh, the community that you, the networking in the community that you make, um, it's very important. And it's not just going to the parties and stuff. It's actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. Assemble the people. Um, find out who's good to work with, who's not, and who's going to compliment you and who's, well, compliment your work as it make it better. Not just give you compliments because yeah. that's worthless. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Who's <laughs> a good partner that works in a complimentary fashion to your yes. work style? Yeah, sure. And so you, and then really up your game. And like this is a, I, I knew going out that this is not a one man show sort sure. of a thing. Uh, finding the people and maintaining those contacts and actually doing the work, being able to work on their stuff and bringing them into your stuff, you have to have a lot of time. And so the amount of actual production that I've done, I did in two years in 07, well, let's see, in 07 and 08, probably actually I think I did it more in 07 than I did ever before combined. And then it just doubled and then it doubled and then it doubled. And so... But you're still not able to make a living doing it. Nope. (laughs) So I'm still broke as hell. That's the thing that I want to talk about because I was... 30 and I made the decision to quit my job and move to LA because I wanted to be an actor and a writer Mm -hmm. and I've never regretted the decision but it's been hard oh yeah and 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 I knew this was only a couple of years ago right Mm -hmm. so this wasn't a long time ago and I I I think at 30 was a good time to do it yeah I I was 33 yeah I'm glad I didn't do it when I was 20 if mm. I did it when I was 20, I would have been overwhelmed with all yourself. the rejection, and yeah. I, w- I would have died. Yeah. But I got a lot more life experience behind me. I worked a job where I was miserable for 10 years before <laughs> I went down there. Uh, I was 12 and, <laughs> 12 and a half when I left. My... Um, the, the job itself was fine. The people I worked with, I liked. The company I worked for was awful. Mm. And so it was miserable going to work every day. And I was just like, I have to stop. And I think uh, these older generations, they didn't ever feel like they could. 
I don't, I don't think, I think now we live in a world where you can just quit your job transition and go to a different industry. But I have not seen a great amount of success and I don't expect to in the short amount of time I've done this. I expect it to take a long time. So without being dream crushers here, (laughs) how good a decision is it? Oh, it's, a, it's an awful decision. Give up on, yeah. To it's an awful dreams. decision, but you have to do it. Well, th- that's... At least once in your life, you have to dedicate a substantial amount of your energy toward the thing you love and make sure it's something you truly love. And you'll find out pretty quick if it's not. Yes. And if it's not, drop it. It's not worth it. No, it's not. It's only worth the pain if you love it. Now. Do you have to do it as a career? Here's where I land on this. It's funny that we're talking about this as two mm-hmm. people who can't get paid doing what they love, <laughs> who quit their normal jobs to do this, right? Yep. You hear all the time from people who made it, mm-hmm. who are enormous celebrities who say, follow your dreams, it'll happen for you. And great, it happened for them. And maybe it'll happen for us. And mm-hmm. maybe it won't. But you hear that all the time. I think sometimes you need to hear the perspective of, I followed my dreams and it hasn't worked out yet. You said it's a horrible decision. It is. But, like, what are your thoughts? Should people make that decision and do that? Yes. Yes, they should. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Don't ask anybody. Don't ask anybody what you should do. You you need to make up your own decision. Because, like, many, many very successful actors have given the exact same advice. And I heard it back in high school. And I'm like, gosh, that's that's awful. <laughs> and then And most people hear that. And they go, oh, it's awful. And I've given the same advice. And But I've heard the explanation, and the explanation is solid. Mm-hmm. And this is, if anyone asks you, hey, do you think I should, you know, go be an actor? The answer is always no. Because they're not sure. No. You, if you have any question in your mind, no, it's going to be too hard for you. I hear people talk about how hard it is and how hard you have to work mm-hmm. to get what you want, right? And so a lot of times I find myself in this, like, I don't deserve, you know, what I want because I don't work hard enough for it. But I don't know that that's true. But I always, like, there's always this, like, well, I took a day and I just watched Netflix all day. (laughs) Right? I could have spent that. And you know what? Someone successful would have spent that whole day doing that. Is that even true, though? Or is that just a myth that we all believe for some reason? It's funny because I was re. On the ride over here today, there's a guy on the radio. I listen to a lot of talk radio. And he was talking about um, he was a musician. He says, I, I got to go into business. You know, I got to get a real job. But I, gosh, I don't like getting up before noon. It sucks. <laughs> and so he started a business, and I'm not sure what the business is. Um, but he's like, well, I can hire somebody to come in before noon. I'm not a morning person, but I know morning people. Mm-hmm. And I just train them up and they, hey, let's do this thing. And when you're done or when I get in or, you know, you can go and I'll just put you on salary and, you know, just produce this work and we're golden. And I'll come in at noon, one o'clock and four or five. Maybe I'll stay till six if I get involved with something. But um, otherwise, I'm just going to go home to my family and, you know, it'll it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. It's not about... And that's a, a, a kind of a modern business thinking that is real. Uh, you look at Google and Apple and that sort of stuff. It's, uh, you know, you come in and you work while you're productive. And when you're not, get your rest. Get your 
um, diversion, get distraction, get inspired by something. Um, just check in and let us know what's going on. You, you still work here, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just up uh, on the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. um, working out some stuff in my head. And I'll be back, you know, next week or whatever. So it, that kind of an idea. And he said he's a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a great business, and people are very happy working for him. And uh, that's that's kind of the new thing. So it's not terribly unrealistic to to think that there's something out there that's non-standard way of doing it. Because um, the old practices where you go and punch the clock at, you know, seven o'clock, and at six o'clock you punch the clock and go home. You have a twenty-minute lunch break in the middle. They blow the air horn and everything's done. That, that's not a real thing anymore. Well, and I I think the idea that I don't that I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. is incredibly prohibitive to my productivity. Um, because, and I I think. I'm speaking of myself now, but I think a lot of people have this that like, I don't deserve that because I don't work hard enough. I should work harder. If I really want to be rich, I should work much harder and do these other things. If I really want to be successful, famous, whatever it is mm-hmm. you want. Um, this idea that well, so-and-so works so hard. What do they? You're not in anyone else's shoes. You can't see through their eyes. They may claim they work really hard mm-hmm. and maybe they do, or maybe they work half as much as you do but to them they feel like they're working really hard i think it's the pessimist in me that Mm -hmm. says i could be doing more so i don't deserve this i shouldn't be watching this movie i should be doing this thing i uh i shouldn't you know just be sitting here thinking i should be working Um, yes because you're (laughs) yeah you're discounting yeah i i totally see that because you discount what's sitting there thinking does for you yeah like uh, a few years ago i started watching movies like in earnest uh-huh. everything i could find i was watching four or five hundred movies a year that's a lot of movies that's quite a dedic. it's a job mm-hmm. and so but to make it feel more like work for me like gosh i uh i need to have it be i need to justify what i'm doing Mm-hmm. Not just just educating and absorbing all of this art and all this material and style and creative and whatnot, because it was incredibly inspiring and it really, you know, all those things. But I felt that that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. that I had to do something else. So I started writing like a little review on every single show. And I did that for a couple of years. And... Who gives a shit? <laughs> Hardly anybody read them. Yeah. Um, you know, it it was just an academic process for me. It didn't further me any writing those. I don't think. Ah, that's a lie. It mm-hmm. did. It did help me. It did help me eventually, but I didn't know that it was helping me. It mm-hmm. was. I didn't know it was getting me to a goal. So basically, what we we've discussed thus far in the podcast is F is for family. Yeah, yeah. F is for failure. Mm-hmm. F is for filmmaking. F is for follow your dreams. Um, we've got uh, we've got a lot going on. Uh, let's quickly get back. F, to is, F for is for financial survival. Yeah. You know, even if it's barely scraping on. Um, well, I think all of this conversation has a lot to do with the topics that they 
are based in there. Well, um, yeah, a lot. Like the point when uh, he takes his son to work mm-hmm. to show him what work ethic is, and his son is like, "Man, Dad, I'm sorry. Like, I really appreciate what you do because you just take shit from everybody, and you have the worst life." And like, it's almost as though the father hadn't even realized that that was true until his son said it to him. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I don't know. I thought I was a, oh, yeah. Just like in the TV store. Yeah. After the TV store. Man, it's just like, your father made an ass of himself complete as a, everyone. Well, I know. I thought I was, you know, standing. No, no, you were ridiculous. <laughs> like, no, what? Just this notion of uh, the perception mm-hmm. versus reality. And, yeah, and, and know that your perception is not ultimate. Yeah. Well, for better or worse, the world we live in now is very different from the one depicted in the show in the 70s. There is more opportunity, but it's also more complicated. I mean, our world is way more, like, they portray a very simple world. Very simple, yes. Not necessarily better, but simpler. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite moment from this show? Oh, geez, my favorite moment. Um, Geez. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. (laughs) I did not come prepared for that. Um, One was in the outline I sent you. None yeah. of none of anything else we've talked about was in the outline, <laughs> but that was in the outline. <laughs> One of the the moments that I think uh, like hit struck me the, the most um, is when the the Bill was getting his ass kicked by the big kids. Uh-huh. His brother came in, kicked everybody's ass. And then, thanks, sucker punch in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. What? Yeah. And and as the middle child, number three of six, mm-hmm. uh, five of them, the first five boys, um, <laughs> I totally get that. Um, I was that guy for my youngers. My, I had olders that were kind of like that for me. It's just like nobody picks on my brothers but me. I, I That really spoke to me. That moment, and then the final, the final scene of the season mm-hmm. when he he goes home and everybody's happy, and they're doing the Christmas thing, just like it's any old modest Christmas like they've ever had, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Fuck me," because he just lost his job. I I have, and it, it that moment, you see exactly. Well, you see it every episode. Mm-hmm. You see that exact same moment, but you don't know you're seeing it because it's in the intro. Oh. When he's flying through and then all the shit's flying out and he's like, I'm confused with life. Fuck, what is happening in my life? Oh, this is... Well, I thought I would have a handle on it. I was so confident right there before I started flying, mm-hmm. before the draft notice and all that stuff. Like, And welcome to life, you know? Yeah. And it's and that's the one constant is that moment was so jarring for him because in his world that's what you have. You have the career and you stay with it for your life till you retire. You yeah. get that gold watch and you die. Now it's very different and so it's hard for some people to relate to, younger people to relate to that moment. Because they don't understand because they're like, well, shit, just go get another fucking job. I don't know. Go go work with the the neighbor, you know. He, he, he's, your, he's your buddy. You can't even see that he's your friend, you know. He likes mm-hmm. you. He'd probably do something down the register. Shit, he'd find you something to do. Yeah. But um, 
anyway, the, that moment, I, it, I think it wrapped up the entire message of the show, mm-hmm. um, of the whole reason it was created, is that kind of like, oh, I am a guy lost in the world. And having been a guy lost in the world, um, I, I, I relate and it's very cathartic yeah. and, and because his problem, as big as it is, seems so trivial to the outsider. Yeah. And like, man, you have so much opportunity, but he doesn't see it. And then you look at yourself when you have like these little failures and like, shit, there's so much opportunity now. You just need to recognize it. Yeah. I, I didn't dislike this show. I just felt met about it because I didn't relate to it. But there were a lot of good things going on, like the moment you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite uh, little exchange in the show was the father comes in. He's like, it's time for dinner. And the oldest kid's like, what are we eating? He's like, free food. What are you crying about? <laughs> <laughs> Another free meal. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, but I loved the opening credits. Mm-hmm. The opening credits were almost a throwback to that period of television. Mm-hmm. like the Beverly Hillbillies, that it sets up the whole story, but this one didn't have lyrics. And it was really nice. It told a whole story um, of a guy who's like, he graduates from high school and he's ready to take on the world and then military, then the draft comes. Now he's okay. And now he's got a kid mm-hmm. and now he's balding and he's fat and <laughs> and he's got a family and he just has to take care of him and life is that. That's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And you don't have choices. You just have life. Uh, it's depressing to me, but it told a really nice story, and I really liked that. Um, you know, something uh, you had mentioned the other day mm-hmm. is uh, you said, "Well, it was I was just kind of meh about it. I only laughed a couple of times." Yeah, it's me too. There was only a few times that I laughed too, mm-hmm. but there well, but there were different times than you, I'm sure. Probably, I laughed my ass off. At those times, like, oh, my God, honey, you got to come watch this thing. Even out of context, that little snippet with similar ex- shared experiences, she like, oh, fuck, that's my family. I relate <laughs> to that. And it's hilarious, that moment. And it wasn't a funny moment. It was a depressing, soul-sucking moment, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the cathartic, funny thing is, lap pain plus time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it wasn't a, a side-splitter sort of a show. It was just like, a, oh. I relate. Oh, I relate. I relate. Unless you don't. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that was weird. <laughs> he's he's very mean to his children. Yeah. Yeah, he's very mean. And he's racist and sexist. He, and I don't know what to yeah, he's, think of this show, really. <laughs> but uh, he's not that bad with his kids, really. You know, like, for example, my father was way worse. He was actually, he would actually put you through the wall. Yeah. But, like, this guy, he's just so frustrated. He... But he's he's the same guy at home as he is at work. Yeah. He his takes fam- shit from his, everybody. His family doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the audience, when you see, like, oh, my gosh, this poor guy. He's just trying to do his best out there. But anyway, yeah. like, as far as, like, chuckles go, yeah, I... I... <laughs> I, I don't think that was the, the point of the show. It's It's a very black comedy. Yeah. Um... So now we have a little segment called Defend This Show. Oh. You have uh, 90 seconds or less to convince everybody that they should watch it. Uh, starting in five, four, three, two, one, go. 
All right. If you are too young to re- if you are old enough to relate, watch the show. You will get it, and it will be, it will turn your stomach because you will be able to relate. You're like, oh God, I know that guy, and I am that guy in some part of it, and you'll be able to relate, and you will love the show. I think. Um, as a younger person, watch it for some context to your existence. These are maybe not your parents, but they are like just a half step away. These are your older uncles. These, this is your younger grandpas. These are the people. They lived through this stuff and have some context to what your challenges. And if you think that your challenges are too difficult, well, now you can see something that uh, will maybe make your, your, your shitty little problems not seem so bad. Because <laughs> those are some, like, real problems. Um, because the world was so different. And the, the job market was so different. And society. So it, it'll be a good context. And you might get a laugh out of it. Uh, it might just be confusing. But it will definitely give you some context. Okay, great. That was uh, 85 seconds. Did Boom. it. Uh, all right. Drop. You want to play a game now? Yeah. This game is called What the Fuck Did I Just Watch? <laughs> what the fuck did I just watch? Uh, so this is how it works. Uh-huh. I'm going to describe to you uh, a little scene or a <laughs> scenario or the maybe the entire plot of a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to try to tell me, you're going to try to guess what show this game is. Gotcha. Uh, now, this isn't just Netflix series. Mm-hmm. This is any show that debuted in the U.S. on a web-first platform. So this could be Netflix. This could be Hulu. This could be Crackle, CISO, YouTube. This could be, you know, your friend's shitty web series about how hard it is to date in the modern world. Um, or it could be Amazon Prime. Um, all right, because all of those I watch all the time. What the fuck did I just watch? So, uh, I'll start you off with a pretty easy one. Okay. So, Antonio. Yes. Last night, mm-hmm. I was watching this show where a blind man fought a bunch of trained ninjas and won. What the fuck did I just watch? Daredevil? That's Daredevil. You got it. Clearly. <laughs> that's an easy one. Yeah, that's They're going to get harder. Okay. Um, Antonio. Yes. Last night, mm-hmm. I was watching a show where a pug with a vaguely, maybe German accent convinced a mentally ill woman to buy him a girlfriend from the local animal rescue. What the fuck did I just watch? A pug... With German accent. Jesus. Uh, mentally handicapped. Oh. Mentally ill. Mentally ill. Oh, oh shit. I, uh, I have not seen this show, but we've talked about it in the past. I, I, I don't know what that is. It's Lady Dynamite. A Netflix show starring Maria Bamford, and it's fantastic. And it's <laughs> hilarious, and you should watch it. Okay. Um, all right, one for two. Um, how much? How, 
How many shows did you watch last night? I just watched like four episodes of The Next Generation. Well, I watched at least five because <laughs> Antonio. Yes, sir. Last night, <laughs> I was watching this show where several agents at a prestigious real estate firm were injected with discount Botox that grotesquely deformed them. What the fuck did I just watch? They worked where? At a prestigious real estate firm. Real estate firm? Botox? Uh, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. This one's not a Netflix show. I don't know, Sex in the City? No. <laughs> I've never seen that, that show. That debuted on HBO, not a web first platform. Uh, this one, no, this one's a hard one. It's from the show Bajillion Dollar Properties. Bajillion Dollar Properties. On CISO, ne- on the CISO <laughs> Never network. even heard of it. Uh, all right, one for three. Okay, wow, all right, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, you're not doing well. No. Um, <laughs> let's see... Okay. Antonio. Yes, sir. Last night, I was watching this show where a young boy died and went to heaven and met Hitler there. What the fuck did I just watch? Oh, shit. Uh, it was a, a show, not a series, right? Is that a feature? It's a series. It's a these series. are all series. All oh, of is these it? are series, yes. Died in Hitler. Oh, because I thought maybe that little kid that they went to heaven. I can't remember the name of it, but they wrote the book and then he said he lied. Is that the one? No. Oh. I mean, you're on the right track. Um. Okay, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> this was a parody of that. Scenario. Oh, I don't. I don't know of a parody of that. But uh, it's a sketch show. Does that help you? No. Okay. Not at all. It's it's from with Bob and David. Oh. Yeah. Bob and David. Yeah. So they did Mr. Show for a few years back in, uh, I yeah, want yeah. to say, the 90s. Yeah, but the, their new, the new their thing? Their new one that's just four episodes. Just like four, I saw all that. I watched all that. Yep, that was in it. Oh. He, uh, it was a boy on a talk show talking about how he died and gone to heaven. That's right. And Hitler was there. And uh-huh. then they start freaking. It's very funny. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. It, it yeah. was no, maybe I don't my... think you went to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe my favorite sketch of the whole show. Uh, there were several good ones, though. Yeah. Um, all right, one for four, <laughs> man. This is the worst anyone's <laughs> ever done on this show so far. Well, um, maybe I can set the bar low. But I got right. one. That's you got one. Zero. You got an easy one. It's not going to be zero for zero, at least. Um, Sheesh. Uh, all right. Antonio. Yes. <laughs> last night I was watching this show. Where a grown woman, instead of going to the bank, put all of the money she had in, a, in the world into a backpack and went out to a club in New York City where the backpack was stolen. What the fuck did I just watch? All the money. Uh... That does not sound familiar at all. You need to watch more Netflix. This uh, is a Netflix. I try to only do one non-Netflix show a week. I, I, I watch like an entire series 
And that could take me like a month. Oh, man. You need to binge more. I, oh, yeah, who's got time to binge? <laughs> um, shit. I don't. I couldn't say. It's from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, and I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's the very first episode, I believe. First or second, pretty, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the I've not seen any of that. I've, I've seen like a... Oh, man, you on, need to watch it. I've seen an online trailer for that. You need to watch it. Okay. All right. Well, one. I, I just started. I just started Bloodline. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm several episodes into that. So one out. Of, well, Bloodline's great. So keep with that. It is good. Second is season it? just came out. Watch the second season. It's great. It's even better than the first. Um, and you got one out of one five. Of, one for so five. That's, that's pretty 20%, bad. Twenty percent. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the worst score that we've had so far. So it'll get worse. Okay. Well, we'll see. I hope. <laughs> or right. at least I have a record. Hey, you know, you have to define your success. <laughs> yeah. You know what success feels like, and that wasn't it. Yeah, well, that wasn't it. And um, <laughs> it wasn't abject failure. So, hey. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about another family comedy on Netflix. So, tune in then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks again to Antonio Lexero for coming on the show. If you want to check out his work, go to YouTube. His username is L-E-X-E-R-O-T. Or check him out on IMDb. Thanks to Curtis Hansen for production support, Steve Combs for the music, and thank you for listening. If you have a minute, rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you. Bye.